0: This is the third series in the third year indeed of the Laureateship of podcasts that I have made with some of my fellow writers in which I ask what the hell stroke heaven it is that we do. Not expecting or even needing an answer, but in not getting an answer maybe some signpost directions towards an answer. I really hope you enjoy them. Today, I am um, privileged. I am delighted to talk to the very unusual, unique, magical Kevin Barry, uh, or Brother Kev, as I as we call him in our monastery, our non-existent monastery. He is the author of the City of Bohan, Beetlebone, Boat to Tangiers, his most recent novel, and two, um, I think, seminal books of short stories. There are. Um, Little Kingdoms and Dark Lies the Island Um, I have where I'm asking as usual what the hell heaven are we doing we don't know what we're doing at at a certain level we don't want to know what we're doing but in failing to answer that question I think is the joy potential joy of 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 asking the question Uh, so today um, we have an hour in this um, extraordinary golden company of Kevin Barry, so uh, beloved brother Kevin, uh, together at last, if only yes. with the, con- the entire country between us. Uh, I have actually made for you um, a delightful series of questions because um, when you are talking to a close family member, you have to be careful what you, you say. Be yeah, yeah. Um, my my first question, therefore. And we may or may not stick with these, but is. um, And first, and before I say the question, I'm so pleased you're doing this. Uh, My reverence for you is infinite, Kevin. Um, First, the question is, I have a sense of your work as an almost physical entity. Uh, What is your thinking on sentences themselves? How do they seem to embody life itself at their best?
1: Yeah, I think that writing prose fiction, um, I think like a lot of art forms is a kind of um, it's kind of a disappointed musical form, you know, Hmm. I think all of the other arts aspire to the condition of music, essentially. Um, I tend to follow the sentences with the ear line by line and kind of try and find that kind of you know some days and it's often a day where you're not feeling particularly inspired but you just write a sentence or half a paragraph and you hear that resounding kind of little ting, and it's like a tuning fork and you go now now i have to tell the story here this is it you know and, and it's 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 an oral thing you you, you get it with the ear more really. so um I, I i i always recall um seeing an interview in the 1990s with uh, Don DeLillo when he said that um, he doesn't care much about the meaning in his sentences. All, he, all he's looking for is the music of them, what they sound yeah. like.
0: He wants well, to write Robert, Robert Frost actually said that. He said, I pay only attention to the sound and let the sense look after itself, which sounds like a very dangerous thing. And yet, that is actually your only chance of making something decent for some reason.
1: Uh, yeah absolutely agree and it is risky territory <laughs> you know oh, yeah. when, when when you when you're allowing this kind of um music to take over and to dictate where the story is going to go um but it's absolutely the way i operate i think
0: the if we had a proper brain expert he could talk to us about where he thinks or she thinks this stuff is coming from it's probably in my view not coming from the top bit, where where we were over-educated and stuffed with facts, but rising from some other part of the brain. And I presume, before we were dignified, supposedly, with the name Homo sapiens sapiens, we were some other creature, probably doing the same thing. So this may be embedded in us. We, we, We are taught to think of ourselves as individuals, but do you have any sense of the ancient commonality of writing, of the the responsibility to hold the attention of the person at the fireside, maybe to keep the lions away, the fear of the lions out yeah. of their head.
1: Well, I, I think it's always kind of um, lovely and mysterious to consider the fact that every human on the planet is a wonderful storyteller when they're dreaming. You know, we're such natural storytellers when we dream. All these scenes present themselves made out of memory and little flickers of consciousness. The dialogue is unimprovable. These inherent sort of uh, narrative logic comes out of our dreams. And then we wake up and we can't do it. You know, it becomes such a slog to do it. I think this is why so many writers are morning writers. When you're still kind of puddled in that dream melt at the start of the day, that's when you can access the, the... that that stuff in the unconscious and that's where it comes from exactly as you say it it comes from the murky bits at the back you know the exact same place that our dreams come from where you're working with memory where you're working with where you're working always I guess with the sense as well that life as we get older it becomes more evident that it hovers towards a condition of shapelessness and that what we're trying to do when we write stories is we're trying to put narrative shape and sense on it we're trying to make meaning out of what kind of appear in life itself to to be almost meaningless. And it's a very fundamental and primal human need to do this. And yet you have
0: to respect its tendency towards chaos. It just Hmm. needs to be on the cusp, the border between those two things. You can't neglect the fact that it wants to uh, explode or exit. You know, it's always on the point of going away from you. Isn't that why it's quite a terrifying, really in truth undertaking to write a goddamn book because we don't know what it is we don't really know what we're doing but we know that it's something
1: yeah that's that's really interesting to talk about the kind of wildness and chaos that's always kind of at the edge of it because and uh, without kind of getting too technical with this too early but i find it comes into yeah i find it comes into my drafting process um Mm -hmm. i find i often with a story i will go a draft too far and it becomes too polished and too smooth. And what I tend mm. to have to do to it, a text then is to go back in and kind of rough it up a bit and put awkward yes. bits back in and put the elbows yes. and the knuckles and the toes back into it and, yes. and 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 let that kind of wildness reign more, you know? Um, there's a very old-fashioned phrase now where people would talk about a piece of writing in a negative way as having a whiff of the lamp off it in that it was yes. too too studied and too worked. And that, that's, I think that's in all writers, the, ten, the tendency to keep cutting and, and polishing, because cutting is usually such a useful tool to find the shape yeah. of your story,
0: but you can overdo it. Um, maybe, we're, maybe we're calling it the wrong thing when we say chaos, because really, you know, uh, since we've all been baking bread, or at least I have, um, if you don't get the air into your bread, it's not bread. And in a way, what we're talking about is putting the air back into something so that it can actually have its proper substance. Uh, what is always i mean after 45 years what's always been a bit worrying to me is the fact uh, like the people who made the fig rolls you know we make the fig rolls but we don't know how to make them yeah that that's what's unnerving about it you know, in a in rather good way yeah i think um, as well anyway um yeah but well, i think i think it was um I think
1: I, I can never attribute quotes. I, I come across these quotes and they're fabulous. I can never remember who said them. I think it might have been Iris Murdoch who said mm. that um, every time you, you, you write a novel, you start a new novel, you're, you're jumping off a cliff and you have to invent a new rope as you go down, you know? Yes, um, yes. And Hilary Mantel actually said writing one novel doesn't prepare you for the next one. A no. completely new set of problems present themselves every time as you try and get that sensation of life and air onto the page you know all you can do is read all you can do is yes. read 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 the great writers i mean just last night in the bed i went back to a, a very old and a favorite writer of mine who was bs pritchett um sure. especially in, in in the story form you know and it's yes. it's weird he was a, he was a writer i stayed away from for years because of his name bs yes. pritchett i thought these are going to be perfect english short stories like cucumber yes. sandwiches and yes. it's nothing of the sort it's really wild work that goes with plays with voice and dialogue so much. Put it, talking about that, getting the air and the kind of messiness of life on the page, Pritchard
0: is, 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 is superb at that. I had a curious thing too, Kevin, that, um, you know, I know for, for instance, for Colin McCann, he talks about Ben Kiley as a, an important person. Um, and indeed, um, he was, and indeed to me, Ben Kiley got me in taste on it, so I, I revere his memory, but, um, I think for me, um, the the instigator or the the secret sharer, literally, of my work was just reading Conrad when I was in Paris, you know, at the age of twenty-two, and and you've invoked V.S. Pritchett, which wouldn't be everybody's choice of instigator naturally, yeah. But I you know I've read Pritchett and I see exactly what you mean. I wonder what that is. Is that a kind of DNA thing when there's a certain writer who has prompted you?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting you you mentioned your 20s because I think at that, that age, early twenties, when you're an absolute sponge for influence, you know? Um and the, the brain is so capacious at that stage yeah. compared to what, what it is. So
0: crazy. <laughs> yeah. Talk and about hair. Yeah.
1: And it's when it's at that is I think that's when the foundational stuff goes in in terms of influence, the the kind of influence that you never quite work away from. Um in in my twenties, when I was starting to try and write fiction in a serious way, I was in Cork city at the time. I, I, I was reading a little too narrowly it was a difficulty. I was kind of obsessed with people like Pritchett, but especially with the great American Jews, um, Saul Bellow, Philip Roth. You know, I, I decided I needed to write the next great Jewish American novel, essentially. You know? yeah. it, it, it didn't work out, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough. But it's, it's odd, isn't it? Earlier on, I think, and maybe all the way through a uh, uh, writing career, the motion is kind of circular you're kind of homing in all the time on your own fundamental stuff your own fundamental material you're getting a little bit closer to that all the time and you kind of yeah. have to develop a thick skin to go at your your your, your real stuff that's going to really kind of get you your good work you know and it it, it takes a while and you need to kind of well, read through yeah. all your
0: influence and write through it you're trying to not only reach your own moon but make your own moon yeah but absolutely. somebody needs, needs to be back there in cape canaveral so you know if it's vs pritchett all the better is somehow a guide, um, a spirit guide even, you could say in Native American terms, uh, to, to invoke another uh, whole religious um, nexus. Um, I, I remember even it's, not even, it's not just the work, because I remember seeing Isaac Bashevis Singer in doing um, an event, as we often so often used to have to do <laughs> until the coronavirus, and his whole attitude His easiness, his um, gentle gunslinger wit that he had towards his audience really inspired me. I thought if I could be like that with an audience, then that would be worth doing. I mean, how how do you feel about events? That you're a beautiful reader, you do beautiful events, but you yourself, do you relish them? Are you up for it? I do, I,
1: a- yeah, I, I, I really enjoy them. And it was kind of a surprise to me that I would enjoy them, to be honest. Yeah, I remember absolutely. when my, my first book of stories came out with um, with the Stinging Fly Press, with a small press in Dublin, and, and Declan Mead, the publisher there, literally had to push me, you know, uh, at the first reading, go on, just go up and read from your fucking story, will you? Yeah. And I went, oh yeah. God, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. And I got in front of the microphone and started reading and went, oh, I'm home. <laughs> you know, I love doing this. I really yeah. enjoy doing this. I- 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 yeah you realize do, do, i think I absolutely this, agree. You, you realize that i think this would be particularly um uh, uh right in your own instance as well i think that writers and actors are cousinly you know i think they're 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 closely related uh professions um yeah. there is there is an impulse to performance in in, in writing as well for sure um yeah. i do you this is a i'd like to hear your take on this yeah. Do you edit as you read, as you read from your, from your work in public? Um, do, you, do you find the editor kicking in, on Jesus, I could have cut that sentence, or?
0: No, what I do is I, well, I have done that, actually. And say, reading out of the secret scripture, if there's certain books I've brought to events that are full of crossings out, which I didn't think I needed for a reading, strangely enough. And that makes you wonder, well, did I really need it for the narrative? Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough Dickens who invented this public reading thing um, and did it really uh, literally till he burst uh, oh with gosh. an apoplexy of some sort. Um he, his, he, he readied up uh, scripts as it were for his readings the death of Nancy whatever and it's full of uh, erasures and, and shortenings and that's a very interesting but I, I also when I'm doing it I'm praying at a sense mm-hmm. That it would carry me, especially the first time. That there's something there, Kevin, you know?
1: Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's you... I think I think every every writer who does public readings always has the the, the specter of poor Dickens at the back of his mind keeling over on stage. You know? Dying, literally. <laughs> it, um, yeah. I do sometimes feel and this is actually especially true if I'm writing a short story, I sometimes read back over a paragraph and go, You're writing that to read it. You know, you're, you're, you're writing that paragraph yeah. to, to, to perform it. Well, and then I think maybe that's not a bad thing, you know?
0: Well, uh, I, I thought in recent times, not that it's a bad thing, but it might be um, a seducing thing. It might be a sort of, um, it might be in the realm not of love and marriage, but of unfaithfulness, where you're, where you're doing something to serve yourself, which is actually sort of jimming up the text to give it a better bang. And I actually, when I was starting to write Days Without End, which is the book before last, I ra- made certain rules for myself, which was no poetry, no uh, set pieces, yeah. um, you know, to, so that I couldn't read it in public. Yeah. Basically that was my rule so that I would go the other extreme. Right. But that very concern actually, yeah. that uh, there might be a sort of menace in that and that the text would forever more, I mean, more than likely all, all we've done will die a death anyway. But if any of it survives, that it would bear the traces of this, um, yeah, this performance thing.
1: I, I read a quite you... quite a, quite, a, quite a cruel um, snippet. I was reading John Cheever's letters recently. And he talked about being on a on a reading tour with Updike in the late '60s in Russia or something. And out of the side of his mouth, to someone she said, "I can't stand the sight of that child jumping up and down and performing on the page." <laughs> you know, but it's um, I I, I, I think pragmatically, I guess in terms of, 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 of what you put down and what you take away on the page. I, I'm very influenced by the fact that I work in different forms, that I'm writing scripts and stuff a lot of the time now. Um, mm. And when I go back to writing prose fiction, definitely there's an impatience with some of the traditional kind of scenery painting that you're expected mm. to do in, in, in kind of prose fiction. And my inclination increasingly is, is to kind of remove the scaffolding as, right. as, as, as much as I can. And it's kind of the fun of it as well in a fundamental way, you, you, you know, when you're writing a story, you're building a little machine as well. And it's, it, if I take this yeah. away is it's still standing
0: and it's still operating. And, uh, For lightness sake, do you leave your work behind or do you, do you carry it with you as, I know you have to mm. perform them, but do you, do you bring your work with you or do you try and leave it in your wake? Which can be very difficult when. You know, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I I don't I don't typically reread myself. I don't I don't sit down for a nice evening of me, you know, and put of the fire. But I, I, you know, often you will go to like a university or something, and they'll ask you to read something that you wrote years and years ago. Years ago. Yeah. And I had, I had I like I had the experience last year in in the in the US of God bless them. In some university, they were looking at *City of Bohan*, my first novel, which I wrote around two thousand and nine you know, mm. so, and it's, it's a very strange experience going back mm. to read your work from even just over a decade ago, because it's kind of like visiting a ghost of yourself. You know, you're a different person. I mean, you know, there's, there's nothing mysterious about prose style. It's, it's your, it's your personality yes. projected very directly on the page. And, 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 um, and you're changing all the time as a person, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, so the work, it shows up very clearly in your, in your pro style. And it's, it can kind of be strange to go back and look at it. And of course, you look at it with a more practiced eye and you think, well, I would do that differently. I would improve that. Um, certainly, I, I could see a, a
0: great youthful totality,
1: but, but it was kind of a lot that I would do different
0: now. Yes, but you know, the truth, is, the truth is, Kevin, if you went in, maybe, if you went back in to bring what you are now, you know, that you'd, you'd wreck that work. Yeah, I think so, yeah. The, the creature it is. And I, I wanted to ask you actually, turning that, you mentioned the word child there with Don DeLille, oh no, who was it? Um, uh, Cheever on Updike, yeah. Chever, yeah. Do you think that, I mean, I think, and I'm wondering, do you think that all your best research is done, you know, maybe age two to 10, when your brain is even more clear and this 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 lie that the child is somehow unformed because the child sees everything remembers everything do you feel that that there was stuff yeah
1: that that that, that's a great question because i think um in terms of writing or or, are making pictures or songs or whatever it is you're doing creatively it's it's essentially play there's a Mm -hmm. there's something essentially childlike in it and i Mm -hmm. think it's very important for all artists to try and stay in touch with that kind of pure sense of play and try and remind yourself all the time. I I try to remind myself all the time when I'm at the desk, you should be having a fucking good time you know by by yeah. the by the glories of whatever powers are out there you're not digging the roads and you're not down a coal mine you're getting to sit in your shed by the stove in county sligo and make up little worlds and situations and characters and so it's it's it's, it's a great privilege to be able to do that so i should be having a good time i i always think of that movie kind of biopic version of the writer's life where the torture genius is pacing up and down and balling up the pages and throwing them at the waste paper basket I think I don't want to read that stuff either please throw it in the bin no, I, no, no. I always think it's a, it's a very simple direct equation if I'm not having a good time at this end of the process beloved reader isn't having a good time at the far end of the process and you know
0: it doesn't mean absolutely and it doesn't mean that you know it doesn't mean you can't be having a terrible time in your life you could still need oh, yeah. to access that child I'm thinking of Joseph Roth rather than Philip Roth yeah. who had a ferocious life as far as one can tell, and yet kept that sense of buoyancy in his work. Um, I'm just wondering also, because I'm actually asking you questions that come out of my own sense of being alive. I had a rather glorious and complicated and probably ultimately self-absorbed mother, who nevertheless um, put a pencil in my hand when I was nine and said, well, paint or." Paint or write, do what you like, but one or the other, you know, this is her instruction, apparently. Um, I don't know anything about your, your background, even though we're brothers, stranger, you'd think I would know. Um, but did, did your mother, thinking of the African uh, experience where the mother is often the teller of stories to a child, it, it, what, does she have, did she have an importance in that sense, your, your it, own mother? Well, it's a very interesting thing. My mother died when I was young,
1: when I, when I, I was 10. Happen yeah and and it's it's really interesting if you look at biographies of writers and artists it's yeah. very very common the early death of a parent it seems to yeah. create some sort of um need to create in response to this kind of early view of the void you see it in yeah. so many writers you know yeah. irish writers Column Tobin, um bellow yeah. lost a mother very young it, it's a very common thing um it's interesting when if i think of my family life whether any kind of creative or literary impulse, whether it came from a a male from the mother or the or the father's side, it's very hard to say. Um, we we weren't, you know, an artistic family in any way. It was a house of readers, absolutely, but there, mm. there was no artistic bar kind of singing in pubs kind of thing, you know. But that there wouldn't have been any sort of a uh, creative work done. I I'm inclined to when I think about my family background, if there, if one of my parents had that kind of any kind of literary impulse that would have been possibly more likely my father, you know? But he would have been, mm-hmm. you know, a fellow who grew, born in the 20s in Limerick, working class background, worked in CIE and stuff, and would never have had the, you know, the, the ambition really to go in that direction. Like, it was very interesting to me when I, when I was writing that first novel, City of Bohan, which even though it was set in an imaginary future, is really about mm-hmm. using the language of, working class parts of Limerick and City where I grew up and it was amazing to me that that language hadn't really shown up in Irish literature very much you know and not for any particular sinister reason it's just that those communities weren't in the way of producing um, literary fiction Um, and here I think like example is very important like when I was a, a teenager in Limerick in the in the 80s there was one novelist in town you know uh the late yeah. michael Curtin, as in a novelist who was producing in a serious way and work that yes, was yeah. been published abroad and stuff so yes. when there's only one guy doing it in town it seems like an unlikely kind of line to pursue it would be different if you grew up in new york or in in london you know yeah. where there's writers everywhere it's a common thing so it, it takes a while then to develop the confidence to say actually i i, I need to do that and i need to have a go um but yeah, but it, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it, it it all comes from, from what goes on in, in, and I was talking about that circular motion earlier on where you're homing in on your, your kind of yes. fundamental stuff and really yeah. that, that, that's family stuff. And I yeah. think there's a very, there's a very interesting thing that happens when emerging writers read back over their work they will come on some couple of sentences and they will recoil in horror and embarrassment from the page and immediately cut those sentences and i always say yeah. cut everything else just leave the stuff that really embarrasses you because that's yeah. the good stuff that's where you're getting yeah. into your fundamental kind of zone and i bet that yeah. stuff is about family material you know um obviously right. you, you've you've had no great
0: reluctance to write about family uh material well, well i the reason it's a strange i mean I have had a reluctance. I've had a reluctance about almost everything. And um, what my reluctance, you talked about your father not being particularly, uh, maybe tending towards writing or, but he sounds to me like he was a positively charged individual. This to me now is what is the crucial thing. Is the person whose company you're in, is are they positively charged or negatively charged? I would say my own father was negatively charged. So in a sense, that's a loss. So what you're doing is exactly what you described, maybe with the death of your mother, is that you are, there has been an explosion and you need to restore the world. You need to reverse time, put everything back in its place. And that's the hopeless, impossible impulse, you might say. But a child never allows things to be hopeless. He will always, or she will always continue to try and do that. I have written really about people who in the whispers of families have had a brief spark of life. Somebody who has been put away in an asylum for something, but would only survive as six words. So I'm giving them 300 pages for the six words. If I know too much about them, then I'm lost. Um, but if your father is there, that means that his, if you had him, if it was physics, it, he would be a positive charge in the, in the equation. That's the important thing. Um, were there people in your childhood that were negatively charged maybe that were a menace to you in any way or were the people, because you do, t- you do write about menace in a very loving way almost.
1: <laughs> um. I I can't say that there were specifically. I think what's very important for all all people who are who are going to try and become some kind of artist later on in life, I I think your teenage cohorts are very important. I think the set you make yourself a part of in that kind of early kind of teenage years, um, um, and I, like I, I absolutely fell in with the kind of the, the kind of the uh, the arty kids at school, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and and we would go and see the kind of French movies at the at the, the the art centre on Sunday night and things like oh. that and we would be quite quite sniffy kind of kids you know that kind of pretentious yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. thing very important phase to, to, to go through you know I think as well and, uh, like it's almost a cliche thing but I think any writer you talk to has had inspirational English teachers at uh, at school I, I yes. certainly, yeah. had, certainly had a couple of them um, yeah. who were very important especially in terms mm-hmm. of getting mm-hmm. me into po- uh, there was a Mr Lynch at Sexton Street Eric Lynch who got me into poetry you know um, God bless yeah into got me into Jared Manley Hopkins, you know which 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 is something yeah. you'd never really recover from, you know <laughs> um, i actually talking as we go as we kind of tiptoe into poetry, we should talk a little bit about the lyric impulse, you know mm-hmm. we, we, we both have it um in our work um in, 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 in to large degrees and in different ways maybe but it, it is it a specific yeah. thing, do you think with Irish writers that we can't
0: quite get away from that lyric impulse? Well, you know when they say um sometimes when people are talking about an extrovert a bullion person and they say only you know his great charm and or she's great charm, very charming and wonderful and then you realize actually they're not willing to spend more than 10 minutes with that person you know that actually it's an impossibility to spend any time length of time with them the lyric impulse in irish in, in in english irish as it were there is also a sense of explosion somewhere isn't there and loss and restoration trying to put something back Mm -hmm. sometimes i think it's a kind of beautiful wickedness in that we're refusing to allow english to be english Mm -hmm. we want it to be a different language and we're making it a different language and we're also using the sort of um seeing that's so blatant in old irish poetry where they're trying to dis- not only describe something but actually reproduce it on the page in a sort of kit the kit of a blackbird or whatever there's something about um trying to reconstruct a- again something that is quite destroyed i mean yeah. we can't i mean it is easy to talk about the loss of irish in the 19th century as if it's not important but it has to be important because we're not speaking our Hebrew as it were. You know, we haven't, yeah. we never did that. My grandfather's, that was one of his great regrets that he went through the revolution and we didn't end up speaking Irish in this country. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very hard to explain in some ways the lyric impulse, but it has to be connected with the fact of that underlay of, of the Irish mm. language in the, way that we, uh, in the way that we twist and bend and kind of beautifully mangle the the the, yeah. the english uh as we use it i mean i, I do find my, the way in which i kind of go off on a kind of a lyrical uh note in my work is 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 definitely changing um wow. early earlier on if i if i had a kind of a lyric kind of passage or a couple of sentences i would try to immediately barb it thereafter with some sort mm. of a kind of rye sardonic kind of line to, yes. show that I'm, to show that I'm kind of aware of it and I'm kind of taking yeah, the piss out of it. It's, 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 a, it's having your cake and eating it, really, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm less inclined to do that now. I find that the barb is less important now and just to kind of go with it. I mean, lyricism does take you, take you out towards the edge of the cliff, you know? It's a, it's a yeah. dangerous place to operate you know? Yes. Uh, but I, I'm really interested in those edge kind of places,
0: out in the cost. And, I, and you spoke earlier of a sort of humiliation of the writer mm. when they read something mm. that gives them pause. And I think that's terribly important. Mm. When Absolutely, we were trying yeah. to be a member of groups when we were young, I mean, I was often falling off the cliff with that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you've got to put the knapsack on your back that you actually own and be yourself and be kind of semi-disastrous. Um, but one of the, I mean, I've been working for about 45 years, maybe t- I was 22 when I came down from Trinity. What, what? And I certainly didn't get anywhere till I was 40. So, yeah. but I mean, I published books, but I know that they weren't yeah. right now. But what age do you feel? I mean, was there a moment you recognized along the way where you thought, Oh oh, this feels like this feels like Barrytown. This feels like the edge of Yeah. I I I, I, I could I could put a date on it almost. A date on it. In, oh, wow. Almost,
1: yeah. I, I I like in in, in I think late nineties in the summer of nineteen ninety nine, I, I you know, I'd been trying to write bits of stories and stuff, but I finally said, you know, I have to get poor for a while and give up a lot of the freelance journalism commitments I had at the time. And, yeah. I, and I went and I lived in a caravan out in the Bear Peninsula for three months and wrote a really fucking terrible novel, like an awful thing, you know, uh, where I was trying to be Cork's answer to, to Saul Bellow and it wasn't working out at all. Yes. Um, but I, I remember towards the end of that summer, out in the and the Bear Peninsula, going for a walk one afternoon, um, knowing that the novel I'd to kind of cobble together wasn't 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 even going to be sent out the door i knew myself full well that it wa- wasn't good enough but I, I, I remember kind of crouching down and looking out over the atlantic and saying to myself and i was so in earnest i'd say my lips were actually moving i i, I said to myself are you, are you serious you know are, are you serious about this are you actually going to do it and i remember saying absolutely i'm absolutely going to fucking do this i'm not i'm going to put the work in like i knew that i had the ability and what I needed to develop was the discipline. I mean, literary ability, the strange thing about it, literary talent, is it's not rare. There's a lot of it around. A lot of people can write well and can write stories and come up with characters. What's rare is the discipline, the, 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 that sort of doggedness that would make you go into the room every day of the week when you don't feel like doing it, when you'd rather be doing anything else. And that in cohort with, with, with the, na- the native or natural talent is what makes a writer. And I had to develop the second bit. I had to develop the discipline. But I remember vividly that day in, in, in August 99, sitting, looking out over the water and going, I'm going to do it. And, and um, you have to kind of declare it to yourself in some way, you know? And
0: crucially in a very wild place.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, 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 and on the edge of the Atlantic. And, 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 and the sea impinges on my work so much, you know? And it's kind of... Um, it's a, it's a fundamental to it, but it's a, you have to, I mean, it's, it sounds slightly esoteric, but when you say, I'm going to write, be it poems or songs or stories or whatever it is, what you're doing is you're making a pact with your own unconscious. You're saying, give me stuff, give me the material. Let let it come true, and let me be able to kind of get out of the way of it a bit, and 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 make the work from it. So 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 it's it's important to make these kind of strange kind of ritual declarations. I found it was very important in my twenties to tell people I was doing it. To kind of come out about it and say, you know, yeah. actually, I'm writing a novel. And it's awful, yeah. you know, because I'd be, I'd be wandering around Cork in the 90s and people would come up to you embarrassedly going, so how, how's the novel going? And you're going, which one was I telling you about? You know, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you've had four
0: on the go since. But it's important in some way to declare it, you know, and, and say, I, well, I, I, I'm doing the this. You feel then embodied, met that declaration. Uh, yeah. Not. Actually, very quickly afterwards,
1: around, let's say, around the turn of the millennium, I started to write some short stories and I was looking down at them going, yeah, that, that's, that's actually um, my, my kind of natural kind of um, humor I was coming onto the page. It, 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 the work was getting funny, you know, um, which, yeah. which, 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 it, which it hadn't been when I was trying to write the Saul Bello novels, you know what I mean? But it, but yeah. it, it, my, and it was as I kind of started to write closer to home as well as I started to set stories in Cork and in Limerick and places that I knew well where I wasn't trying to be, uh, you know, something else. Um, yeah. That the, the kind of, the, any kind of effervescence that I had in my own personality was starting to get onto the page then. Mm. Um, but yeah, it it it, t- it takes a while. There's, there's,
0: there's no shortcut that, to it, you know. That's um, your own, that's your own bird song. You see, you say, you know, lots of people can write um, and I'm sure that's true, but, um, and they do, but, um, to me, I, I don't mind failing as a writer if I could finally reach the point where I felt that my true bird song had been ex- finally sung, you know, even if it's the song of a Robin rather than of a great Paul. Um, and I do think that's rare enough. I think it's rare in the sense that it should be rare. Um, I'm thinking of the, when you re- open Thomas Hardy, you know you're with Thomas Hardy as soon as you read those sentences. Uh, or Joseph Conrad is exactly the same. Or you're the same. And I do think that is, I, don't think that, I, th- I think it's very rare and I think it has to be snuck up on. And if you think about it, Conrad sneaked up or snuck up on his work by even coming through another language to reach it. He had to go through a whole career as a, as a a master sailor uh, before he starts to write when he was 30 mm. uh, you know he was creeping up on something that he thought he could do most unlikely that he would be that um,
1: it's 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 amazing yeah i mean i mean you come out of kind of crab wise you know and sidelong often i mean the first things that kind of started to 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 sound like to sound like me on the page, were in a sense very traditional Irish short stories, which in my kind of sniffy, kind of 20-something days in Cork would have been the last thing in the planet I would imagine imagined myself writing, you know? But it, it was when I, I found myself in a certain mold, writing pretty traditional short stories that had epiphanous finishes and the whole lot, um, that's when it started to come true, you know? It's, it's, Someone called it, um, I think Norman Mailer wrote a book about writing called The Spooky Art, And it's absolutely a great description. There's so much about it as mysterious. Um, And the more you do it, the more mysterious it gets. The closer you get to it, the less you know about it. You know? Um,
0: Which is why I I, I even instigated this crazy series of podcasts because I know there's no answer to the question, what what the hell are we doing? What the heaven are we doing? There is no answer, but it's in not reaching an answer is the important thing to me. um, I mean, both of us, uh, mistakenly or not, um, over the years have received a fairly a fair our fair share, you might say, of praise and approbation. What does that mean? Do you regard that as a menace, or do you feel it as a cheering on, or you just ignore it? Do you, are, do you read your reviews, for instance?
1: Um. You know, I, I, when I was in my twenties, and I would read someone like so someone like Mister Banville saying, "Oh, I never look at the reviews." I, I, I would, I and I would think, "Oh, come on, the fuck!" Of course, you read your reviews. And now, actually, I, I, I when your first book comes out, you're, you're you're like waiting outside the news agents for the newspapers to appear. You know, and you're <laughs> taking off the newspaper, so, and you can I'm recite,
0: afraid?
1: and you can recite them by heart. Um, at this point, I kind of glance and kind of speed read through, and I get to gist of whether it's broadly negative or broadly positive i find that the good ones the raves are probably more dangerous for you than than, 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 than the hatchet jobs you know yes um it's important to believe neither of course but, it, but, yeah. it, but it's difficult i, I can't say I ignore them um but i probably it's probably true to say that i pay less attention than i used to the most important thing i think is when you're writing to keep your attention to within the peripheries of the desk, not to wonder about what's going to happen when it goes out into the world.
0: Yeah. And all those things are sadly, you might say an intrusion. It's, isn't it also because um, you've tried to preserve literally not the childishness of the child, but the integrity of the child. And as we know, when you're a child, too much praise, too much censure really derails the child. And you want to keep your little caboose on the tracks, don't you? and, and you need to be enclosed and, and it's very difficult, and it's a challenge and I, I was trying to talk to my students about this. Um, how do you survive um, yeah. being told you've done it well? I mean, do you feel that you've a better chance of writing a good book after being a little bit bashed up, which you probably never experienced or or is it? when you've been cheered on do you feel somehow do you miss a heartbeat you know
1: yeah it's it's like it's it's i think it's i think what i what i try to do and it's impossible to do fully is i i literally try to keep um my writing career separate from i try to keep the writing separate from Career, if you know what I mean. Um, yes. Because I think if if you start to think in career terms as you're writing your story, you will oh. start to, at some way, you will start to write to please, you know, and that's yeah. that's creative debt uh, yeah. on the page. You have to let it go in the unwieldy kind of directions it wants to go and, and keep the kind of wildness and the awkwardness into it. Um, I don't know. At the same time, I, you know, I was talking to. Um, Pat McCabe once about this, and he said something very true. He said, we are all writing with an audience in mind at some level. If you weren't, you just go and take the pages and, and ball them up and throw them off a cliff. You know what I mean? You, you, you do want to go out into the world and, 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 and be read. We
0: are the first generation, uh, in a way, who's um, had unusual access to the, the thoughts and minds of our readers on sites like Goodreads. Mm where you know thousands of people are reading your book and rating it and probably speaking mostly 90 percent of the time with great honesty but what they really how they really responded i mean is that useful maybe more than criticism just yeah like
1: every every, everyone's a critic now everyone who can pick up a viral but it's i i like i have very mixed feelings about what 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 technology and, and and the internet and, and social media has done for, for 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 literature i mean for writers in some ways i think it's it's disastrous because it's such a kind of a you know a distraction and I, my big rule is I, I don't go online in the morning i keep that kind of sacred but at the same time it, i i because of i i my first book was 2007 just as the whole sort of online kind of literary community kind of thing starts to come together and it's been hugely beneficial for me in terms of getting yeah. my work around and attracting new yeah. readers to it. Um yeah, I I, I I can't say I've never glanced at my Goodreads uh, reviews either. I certainly have, but it's um it's it's again just trying trying to keep trying to keep that stuff out of your mind really when 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 you sit down There's, and begin just
0: the new because thing. Because we break our good rules doesn't mean, you know, we yeah. don't break them. <laughs> <laughs> we break them. Anyway, that's it. Um, in a way I feel I do feel um there's a sense of it with a writer that one likes, um, that's important, that, that you've all always known them. And of course, um, Einstein would say that's quite accurate. You, you know, you, we have always been here and all our moments have, are eternal and we only have a sense of moving up through time. And in, in a way, novel writing is to try and prove that, that you can go back, literally go back and recover an actual lump of time that seems to be the past, but actually you can access it in real time uh, with this writerly brain. Uh, but in your case, it's almost um, literal because the first song my great aunt Annie taught me, and strangely enough, she was the daughter of the chief superintendent of the Dublin Metropolitan Police. So, but the thing was, Kevin Barry was, had gone to school in Rathville with her, her father's, one of her father's cousins. So that was more important, the local thing was more important than the politics. Yeah. Um, can you sing the song, Kevin Barry? I,
1: I, I could give a rendition out, but I'm not going to. Um, it's very interesting to think about um, my name in terms of, um, there, there's, a, as you'd imagine, a string of Kevin Barry's going back through the family. Um, yes. Oh, it, it was, it, yeah, so it, like I was named for a cousin who had sadly got killed off his scooter. He was, he was like a mod in East Anglia in the 60s wow. and came off his scooter um and i was born like a, a year to the day later so i was named for that cousin um and his dad had been kevin barry who fought in the second world war um and, and wow. it was kevin barry's I, I i presume the the original impulse was was a republican one in the family i i i, I don't know um but it's 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 strange uh, it's definitely it's definitely a little bit of baggage i carry with me especially in terms of what i what i what i would what i Go to america and stuff and and the irish americans show up but it's uh that's great and what did he do in the second world war he a great story actually he was a great guy my my late uncle kevin he he went to italy um was captured inside half an hour he he loved to recall and spend a wonderful three years in an italian village chasing women and eating very well and drinking wine and came back a hero so he had a great experience of the war which he which he loved to recall
0: uh, Did he volunteer or was he, what do you know? I guess
1: so. I think he moved, um, he moved to England from, he was a bit older than my dad. He moved to England, worked in the shipbuilding yards in Great Yarmouth in the 1930s. And I guess just signed up then, you know, and, 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 but
0: these are, these are ostensibly non-Republican histories, but it's what we have. It's who we are. Yeah. We're the sum of all these decisions. Um, I mean, the other magical name in Ireland is Michael Collins. And as we know, one of the Michael Collinses went to the moon. So uh, (laughs) we haven't had a Kevin Barry on the moon yet, unless you're an instance of uh, creating a moon. Um, Anyway, the first line of the song, because I just want to invoke my great hand. In Mount Joy Jail, one Monday morning, I upon the gallows tree, Kevin yeah. Barry gave his young life for the cause of liberty. And she put me up on the chair. I, I should really
1: to... come in and beach boys harmonies with you now. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> uh, yes, but,
0: uh, just for the sake of history, Kevin, you could try. Not it. at all. Not at all. Uh, okay. Um, right. Well, that's Kevin Barry out of the way. <laughs> we're near, We're nearly near the end of this, but sadly i I wanted to ask you an odd question well two two odd questions in a way first of all i i do hope um like edna o'brien you're intending to write till you're 90 that would be absolutely i I mean
1: it's 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 so important um for your physical vitality, I think, for a writer to be mm. always writing. Um, mm. and, and, you know, as you, as you get older, you realise you, you really have to look after yourself to do it. It's, it's in a weird way, it's hard physical work. Um, when you're at that desk, you're, you're often quite tensed, you know, and, and, and try, I find it's very important to kind of look after myself and, 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 and to try and stay fit and try and be... To, to, to be able
0: Are you the, a
1: runner or a walker? Or? I, I'm a swimmer more than anything, I guess. I, wow. I, go out, I go out on the bike a lot as well, but I swim. I've been swimming this year early because we've been around all the time. So I've been in Lock Arrow since since kind of early April. And I'd be in Ross's Point inside half an hour after this is finished. I'd be going up wow. to swim at Ross's today. But it's um, it's, it's just that lovely thing. I love, the, I love the water. It's that feeling of it's like resetting your computer, you know, when it, it's like turning it on and off again. You just feel to refresh when you come out um and also i think like so many writers walk walking so 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 critically important walking is like you know there's something in something like sentence making in walking
0: where and where you are i mean i have a huge anxiety about working i we've been here for 20 years this is a little rector's study really this is a tiny little room in the house and this is where i've written most of these novels and I do have an anxiety about being away or somewhere else. And I don't write anywhere else. Do you, is your house important that you've made? You've made an old barracks into a house. Yeah. Is that important to you? And are, are the, all the physical things around you, weather and birds and hairs and, they're, they're, are they your, your accomplices, do you think, in your work?
1: Yeah, I mean, this, is, this, is, this would have been the day room, the sergeant's day room in, in an RIC wow. barracks in South County, Sligo. Um, it's, I, I, I'm pretty fluent. I can generally write anywhere. And if I'm traveling around promoting a book or something, I'll always have a notebook and I'll be keeping things going. But absolutely, I write better here. And, I, and it's nice to be surrounded by your kind of talismans. And, 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 and like a lot of writers, I don't keep very many books in my workroom, but I, I have sort of sacred texts. That are close enough to the desk always there would be a pritchett book you know there, there, there would be a Flannery O'Connor book and stuff like
0: that um, I've met your amazing partner does she does she read your work first or is there a- yeah
1: olivia who who's upstairs at the moment um working working on our, our winter papers um, Olivia and my agent lucy are are the first readers and and They'll never say something as terrible, you know? But I can tell by their eyes. <laughs> you know? I can tell by their eyes if they really like it. If there's a special little shine in the eyes, I know. Um, so yeah, they're they're my first kind of line of defense if I'm trying to figure out have I finally gone completely fucking bonkers or is this okay. So that that the, they're, they're pretty honest with me. Um, Do you know? It's interesting. You know? I I I was never in because a bit older than a lot of the writers coming out now, I I was never in that kind of writer's workshop group no, kind I mean, of thing yeah. I, I never had that so it's, it's very different now I think with writers you see emerging now that they're much more inclined they will have very close kind of circles of friends that they'll share the work with I never had that the, the first time I sat foot, set foot in a, a writer's workshop I was giving it you know Um which was kind of funny but it's um yeah I, I, came, I came from
0: have you ever written an entire novel
1: that you've had to put aside oh three of them um, yeah. I I attempted Three before I published one, you know. Right. Before the first one was published, two of them yes. I knew that they were never going outside the door. um yeah. They're upstairs under the bed. Uh, I couldn't, couldn't bear. Boxes. Yeah. I couldn't you're bear. Making sure door. you're
0: not letting them out. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think them upstairs. <laughs> um, the Um, that there was a there was a, a third novel which was getting somewhere which I went out and. Tried to, tried to find the publisher and got very encouraging kind of rejections in that way. And it's at that yeah. point you know you're a pro, really, when you say, fuck it, I'll write another one. Oh, yeah, you, absolutely. You you, re, you realise at that stage that you have that kind of dogged streak that, that's so necessary for it's
0: worth, it's worth more to you to put it aside than it is yeah, to... It, absolutely. Put it. I often
1: find as well that there's a weird thing, I get this with short stories a lot, when you're writing one and there's a kind of a phantom story underneath, that's the one you I should really be writing, you know? Oh. And almost the trick of it is to figure out, oh, I hate using phrases like the trick of it, but the trick yeah. of it
0: is to figure out what's the story that should be on my desk right now, you know? Oh, that's a huge thought, Kevin. You've yeah. given me a new thought. I'm going to have to think about that for, well, 25 years, and then I'll be 90 myself. Uh, so I want to read this, just a moment. This, this, this is an odd question, but it's, as you can see, genuinely phrased. When I met you, when we had dinner together, uh, I was impressed by your candor, your openness, and your gentleness, and you seem to me democratic, even-keeled, and even joyous. I may be wrong. If you had to give a character of yourself in court, since you're in the day room, well, what might you say? If you had to defend yourself, how would you describe yourself, do you think? Um,
1: you know, I do have, I think, and, and it's kind of an amazement to me always, but I'm generally kind of in good form. Um, you know, I write a lot of work that can be very melancholy and it can have lots of kind of menace and stuff like you pointed out in it. But generally yeah. I'm quite effervescent. It's not like I, I, I leap out of bed in, with the joys of life, but generally I, I, I'm in good enough form as I go along. And I think that, that's, and I try to get that into the work. I try to get any vitality I sense within myself on, onto the page. And it feeds both ways, you know? If you're writing well, you're living well. I think what I aim for, what I don't always manage, but I think is to have no real separation between the living and the working. You know that the writing shouldn't feel like this kind of mm. chore. That it sh- that I should feel as as happy in there as I am generally kind of mooching around the place. You know, um, you've
0: been, you've been very generous and a great inspiration to uh, the the writers coming up, as it were. I mean, this phrase coming up as if it was a natural thing and not what it is in fact miraculous um, and i think a lot of writers look to you as a sort of benign instigator you know almost I, as I, if i've got
1: go- to get that tattooed here yeah,
0: yeah. like we're already dead unfortunately that sounds <laughs> like no, you're the conrad to a lot of people um, i mean journalists do ask the question how come R- ireland is has so many not just good writers, but f- fabulous writers at the moment. Yeah, um, it's a great cause. I find that a great inspiration. I don't know how you feel about it. Obviously, you feel it's a positive thing. But um,
1: do you yeah. mind that,
0: or, 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 do you know what it is? It, it goes back, I think, to something we said a
1: while ago about example. You know, like when I was in Limerick in the eighties, there was one novelist. Now there are so many, not just good writers, but writers producing work that really. You know, it's a small island that's really at a world class level. You know, yeah. And that, it's a great thing. It's a great thing for all the others because it acts as both an inspiration and an example, but also as a gold. You know, because you go yeah. to your desk and you think, Jesus, I better bring my A game. You know, I, 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 I better, I better, I better bring my bring my best to this. So, so it's a fantastic thing. I, I try to never have any narrowly kind of nationalistic feelings, but but I do I
0: do feel. Kind of no, but, pride when I, when I see um, reading. have tribal, tribal writers. feeling about yeah. it. I mean, just as laureate I've been trying to, you know, talk to various people about the the economies of writers, and when you consider um truly exceptional writers, I mean, we, we, let's not even be so crass as to call them great, but they probably are, like Danielle McLaughlin and Nicole Flattery. And these are people who've spent 15, 20 years finding, getting closer as you described it to what they can do and then doing it. And then they produce a book that probably is for the ages. And yet, how do, how are governments supposed to support that person? They produce this work. They probably get five, 10,000 quid for it. These are not living wages. And yet it's very difficult thought for ministers of finance.
1: Yeah, to it is. It's 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 it, it seems like something esoteric, you know, in in government circles, and and certainly, you know, while, while there are supports in Ireland, that there, there aren't enough, and when we're very low down the European tables and so forth, as you know, look. I mean, you need to have a canniness as well. You you need to you need to 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 to, to figure out how you're going to do it. I mean, I read a great piece of of, of writing advice from Annie Dillard, the great American essayist. Um, once she said, all you need to know about a writing life is just keep your overheads low." you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's a reason Absolutely. why I live in South County Sligo, that the housing relative to cities is very cheap. It was a small mortgage to live here. Um, because I live in rural Ireland, I, it means I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to teach or, or, or anything else. I can just go to my shed and, and, yes. and write. That's because a great, as, great privilege.
0: As, yeah. as both, it is. And as we've both said on different occasions, what is your major advice to writers and we both said oddly enough on separate occasions just keep going
1: Just do it
0: and in order to keep going really doing your work you're right you have to find the the sixpence that bears a direct relation to how you're living and that's terribly important but for a lot of writers especially in this time a lot of writers do pick up their few bob from events and teaching Uh, Mm. and there must see at this moment a great deal of distress uh, and sense of emergency among so many of our fellow writers.
1: I think so and it's it's worrying in some ways I think for example for our cities especially for our capital city for Dublin Mm. young writers and emerging writers can't afford to live there you know and this is bad news for the writers but it's even worse news for the city you know because it's losing yeah. it, it's it's creative people it's great for places like this you know there, there are so many writers dotted around county sligo now and and and, and around rural island and that's great and it, it you know you're bringing older places that have have suffered a lot bringing them back to life in some way by seeing sort of creative people set up here realizing you know what this is a pretty good place to live it's relatively inexpensive to live compared with the the cities so it's um but of course it, it affects the work then as well it affects the work you turn out you know um it, it seems like a pragmatic yeah. decision in your life where am I going to live, but it 's going to influence very much what's what's what 's coming out on the page as well um, so so it 's the most yeah. important thing I think any new or emerging writer faces now is the decision where am I going to base myself? how am I going to do this yes. um, you know don't back be, in, back in the glorious be. day when you 'd go to Paris and and find your garret. Good luck with that now. You <laughs> know, you'd have to work
0: fifteen jobs to be
1: able to pay for it.
0: So, it's well, good. even when I was there in 1979, it was a ridiculous thing to yeah. do because Paris was much too expensive. I, I then w- had the good sense to go to Greece just before, and and that, before the EC, and that 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 was cheap. That was cheap. A- anyway, I mean, these are hugely important things, and I think even to think positively charged thoughts directed towards these great undertaking the great undertaking of having a writing life i mean it is you say it's a privilege but it's also there's also a sort of epicality to it kevin which in my opinion you embody and um it's not that i just want to thank you for doing this uh podcast i it's been one of the joys of my life to do it because i admire you so much and i owe you so much so thank you thank you thank you thank you
1: and you even, you even sang to me. So what, what more can we say? That's <laughs> the, full, the full
0: expression of my love. Singing
1: bad. Okay. I, I'll never <laughs> call you granduncle again. It's going to be brother from now on. It's okay. be <laughs> Thank you, Sebastian. That was, that was a joy.